0: Today we began with the story of Elijah and Elisha. This is a story that I hope is familiar to you because it has, you know, the song has ruined it for me forever, the chariots of fire. But as we hear this kind of story, it's important for us to figure out how does this connect with the season of Lent that begins this coming Wednesday. Now the context here for the story of Elijah and Elisha, they are prophets and they're prophets in the Northern kingdom of Israel. That's after King David and Solomon when the kingdoms had split and Elijah fills this space about 850 years before Jesus's life with a lot of warnings. Elijah, as a prophet, warns the people to turn away from the world and to turn toward God. Elijah tells the people a lot of what they don't want to hear, and he uses a lot of aggression to kind of get his point across, and unfortunately, all of his warnings play out with the exile that is to come. But for now, Elijah is about to leave and pass on the torch, actually hand his mantle over to Elisha which got me thinking about the role of prophets in general. Prophets are interesting characters in the Bible. Prophets are kind of interesting people today. When I was looking around at perhaps a best way to describe prophets, I found a quote that reads, to be a prophet is to love God's people enough to tell them the truth about their condition. And I thought that's very interesting to love people enough to tell them what they need to hear about their condition. And what condition is that? For Elijah's time, I think the condition was that people really loved all the things in the world a little too much, that they weren't willing to turn toward God. They weren't willing to put stuff down and to set aside all the worldly good things in order to pick up what God was offering them, those good godly things. And I would love to say that that condition is a little different today, but I think that particular kind of condition is something we know very well. But let's make no mistake, the world is in bad shape. We may love all the things in the world and we may be attached to many of those things in the world, but the world's not doing well. And I think that even though you hear me say it a lot, we may not be doing so well because we are so attached to what the world wants us to be attached to last week i heard a story that kind of articulates this very truly now we all know the internet can be harsh and unforgiving there are internet trolls all over the place doing all kinds of bad things saying bad things horrible tragic things to people and worse But the anonymity on the internet can actually be that a big gift to us might be a problem on one hand and a gift on the other because it allows occasionally for people to be a little honest and a little more vulnerable than they may be face to face. Which is why I was especially interested in a tweet just a few days ago from a very familiar friend, Elmo. Yes, that Elmo, that sweet red Sesame Street friend he sent out a very interesting tweet. The Elmo account sent out a tweet just a few days ago that said, Elmo is checking in. You know, my Elmo voice used to be better when I was younger. It was very popular when my children. We'll, you know, take that down a little bit. Let's say, Elmo is checking in, Elmo said. How's everybody doing? Now, such an innocent tweet like that, one might think that children would be responding through their parents about what's going on with their day, how they're doing, things they're learning in school. But no, no. Instead, Elmo's tweet prompted an avalanche of dark, brutally honest replies from tens of thousands of adults. And it gave just a glimpse of kind of the existential dread that seems to be out there in the world right now. The tweet, which has been viewed now over 200 million times, showed very clearly that actually a lot of people, maybe most people, are not okay. Elmo's open-ended question was met with endless dread from people who just poured themselves out over and over again. People who had been laid off, people who were feeling depressed, People who are anxious about war or the election or the economy or just having a tough day serving as insight into kind of the collective mental health of the people around us. One person wrote, Elmo, each day, the abyss we stare into grows a unique horror, one that was previously unfathomable. Our inevitable doom, which once accelerated in years or months now accelerates in hours and even minutes. However, I did have a good grapefruit earlier thank you for asking (laughs) another person replied I'm at my lowest but thanks for asking and then one person after thousands of replies finally said Elmo you got to get out of here it isn't safe (laughs) now after the flood of replies and retweets the Elmo account posted Wow Elmo's glad he asked Elma learned that it's important to ask a friend how they're doing and Elma will check in again soon. Elmo loves you. In response, one person tweeted. Elma's right. We have to be there for each other. Offer our help to a neighbor in need and above all else. Ask for help when we need it. Even though it's hard, you're never alone. So after all that, how are you feeling? my guess is you're feeling a lot, like having all of those feelings all at once. And I would love to tell you that church is a place where you don't necessarily have to have all those feelings, where you can kind of leave them outside and come in clean. But actually, church is exactly the place for you to have all those feelings. Church is exactly the place where you can come in and lay all those feelings at the feet of God. Church is where you can come in and turn over our fears, our sorrows, our angers, our disappointments to God who promises, promises to overcome all of them. Today's gospel lesson gives us just a glimpse of that kind of promise. Today is the last Sunday after Epiphany, we always read about the transfiguration, this amazing moment when Jesus is transformed, transfigured in front of some of his disciples. Now, we can make that supernatural, but really what's happening is a glimpse of the healing and the wholeness that God promises each one of us through Christ, that healing and that wholeness that God promises each one of you. That promise is powerful. God promises to actually heal the world around us. And that starts with us. We begin Lent this coming Wednesday Lent begins with Ash Wednesday when we are marked with a sign of ash to remind us of our mortality, but not because it is dark, but because in our mortality, God's recreation becomes real. We are reminded that what we see around us, even our own selves, is not all there is. God's promise to something more, that hope, that vision, for a world made new is very, very real. The season of Lent is an opportunity for us, an opportunity for us to commit ourselves very deeply to walk daily in a particular path that helps that promise becomes real. Now, I hope that you will consider beginning on Wednesday, making a commitment, a gift to yourself. Give yourself the gift of committing to a daily walk with intentionality, anchored in prayer but not by yourselves with the presence of everyone here. Being here together makes a huge difference. I'm sorry that we cannot fix all the problems in the world, but with God's help, we can absolutely make the world better. We can find hope. We can spread love right here among one another and out in the world. So join us. Join us Wednesday and every day in Lent. Make a commitment for your own good, a gift to yourself, that this Lent will help you deepen, settle deeply into this promise that God makes to each one of us, that what scares us out in the world is not the end of the story. We know how the story ends because God has made that promise clear to us. I know that when we deeply give ourselves to God and to one another, we will know that we are not alone and that God's promise is very real. Amen.